Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. And both Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic are in Australia. This feels like old times. I mean, the 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 show, I'm so excited for this episode because uh, it just reminds me of the good old days. We have two players to talk about. It's uh, It's a wonderful thing. Nadal has opened his campaign in Brisbane one match down for him at the time of recording. Djokovic has played three matches already at the United Cup, lost his previous match to Alex Dimonor. We're going to get into that, but let's start with Rafa. Um, let's kind of grade his performance. Let's start out with that. Amy, what do you give him? A, how about that? <laughs> um, Gil, I have to give you credit. You said it there was something about going into this season that felt a little Federer 2017. And, and we don't know about the results yet. This is just one match, but there is like a lightness to Rafa and a joy to be back on the court. You know, when you think something might've been taken away from you and then you get it back and, and you can see the appreciation that he has, um, to, to just to be out there competing again in terms of what I saw. I mean, it was like Nadal of old in that he was hitting the forehand really well. He was running his patterns against a one-handed backhand. He's going to pepper the one-handed backhand and then finish in the open court, which he did. That's the pattern that he used to run against Roger and just executed his game to perfection. Yeah, the first set was close, but um, he was just testing himself out and getting the feel. And then the second set was dominant. Yeah, that's a vintage Nadal kind of effort where you have this very tight, tight first set and the guy throws everything at him. And team, team knows this too. He's played Nadal enough. I believe he's beaten him six times over the years. And uh, yeah, it was fun to see. I mean... I wouldn't be stupid enough to say, oh, I'd forgotten how great it was to watch Nadal play. No, I remember it all the time. It was just great to see it again. It's like eating a food that you haven't eaten in a while. It's like, wow, that tastes delicious. I'm so glad to have it again. And it was fun to see. I think it was also neat to see some of the ways um, Nadal ends up creatively winning points. You know, short angles in the front part of the court, passing shots, and kind of a, a thing on display. I, I don't know what team is thinking when he thinks he's hitting a, a drive approach shot. <laughs> I mean, on the backhand? To Rafa's forehand. To Rafa's I, forehand. I, I saw you, that one, yeah. Unless you nail it incredibly early and angled like the, the later stage Federer did where he was taking it so early and whipping it so much. But team, it was, all, it was like batting practice at a certain point for Rafa. Yeah, then in the second set, it was a backhand approach shot that he he did hit down the line, got passed again. He just needs to. But it's still the, the drive, the drive approach shot. Yeah, you 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 don't really. Do, it's hard to do it with a with a one handed. This is where the two handed backhand has a lot more on the on the one hander can penetrate the court a lot more on that kind of shot. Gen yeah, you know, generate yeah. a lot more leverage and 
Right. And and I, I think precision is what was lacking on both those approach shots if you looked Absolutely. at where they landed. Uh, so, Joel, what do you give them? What, what's the grade? I went to an alternative school. Back, you're talking about the good old days. I went to good old <laughs> – so we, 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 we were self-grading. So I'll let Rafa do his self-grade. I think it was quite excellent. Quite excellent. And, and this is the written comments part of the grade. You know, okay. All liberal arts school approach. Well, you, you, want a, you want a grade, Gil? I I give them an A plus. I don't know what a I mean. Plus versus versus kind of what you could reasonably expect. I, I'm not. I don't know that I'm grading him. Look, I, I understand team. I think team played really well in the first set. I get that team right now on a hard court isn't this incredible measuring stick. You look at qualifying. Struggled to beat a player outside the top 200. Struggled to beat a player outside the top 120. But in the first set. Dominic was super sharp. Forehand was really big, really opportune on it. Uh, he, he definitely made some mistakes in the 5-6 service game. He definitely dipped in the second set. But Nadal did what, what you would expect or what you would hope from Nadal's perspective he would do. When that dip came, he crushed him. It's not like he went the level went down with, with team. Um, the movement, though. Like, what did you guys see in the movement? Because... Joel, you can speak to this. I think, as as like players age, they don't forget how to hit a forehand or a backhand generally. No, they don't. Of course, they don't. They they don't. They're the timing. Wait. <laughs> Why can he this. speak to this? Be, you. Because you're our historian, not Funny historian. <laughs> no, not well, not a not a personal. <laughs> uh, the disclosure is also that Gil and I are playing tennis tomorrow. But oh. with each other, but more, um, more significantly, also I think also because I've I've been on the court with world class players as they've aged. I mean, I used to play with a guy who got to the Wimbledon finals in the '40s, and then I was playing him in his '70s. Correct. The ball striking, the hand eye isn't what goes. It's the strength, but most of all, it's the movement. It's the being able to get to the ball. So the movement from Nadal looked. Look pretty good. The, the the grade you gave Gil, I'm curious. It sounds to me like you were giving on the on a personal curve of expectation, not that saying A plus. Yeah, this is as good as Rafa played when he won Wimbledon in 08. You know, you're not comparing it to other Nadal level efforts as much as this is as good as Nadal is. This is Rafa winning. No, this is Rafa not having played a competitive match in a, nearly a year and turning in a darn impressive effort versus a guy who's who's won a major yeah it's the first paper of the semester so you get a little tougher as as you go on in terms of grading uh oh, but oh see we could have a talk i guess we are such we are such a bunch of studious types we can talk about the whole grading measure see my teachers they just graded on what their expectation is this a is this a good paper i don't know you know it's like but nadal Look, in tennis, the good news, they don't give grades. They give wins and losses. Well, how about this? I Forget the curve. Forget all that. I don't know where I'm taking away points for Nadal. I don't know what part of the game didn't look good to me. I don't know what he right. didn't do well. Right. And no hiccups in the Nadal hole where he's sometimes been up a break. You know, how many times he's up a break and then that game goes and there's more drama? Anyway, Amy, I'm sorry. Just a couple things that I noticed. You asked about his movement. I thought his north-south movement was excellent. Like there were a couple of gets where he had to hustle all the way up to the net um, and, and a couple that he actually missed, but he got there. He got there. Um, his horizontal movement 
uh, I guess it would be east to west. Um, there, I, I might have detected, you know, when you're when you're playing and you got to really stretch to get a ball and you have to make a decision. Am I going to drive this ball like a regular forehand or backhand or I'm gonna, am I going to go into emergency mode and am I just going to, you know, put some air under it so I can recover? I may have seen a few more of those where I, I was like, wow, I usually he, he drives the ball in that position. But I didn't detect anything in terms of like, you know, when Andy Murray first came back, there might have been some some movement between the points where you were like, is Andy just tired? Is this just the way he moves? Or is is this from the hip? I didn't see anything between the points. It was just smooth, smooth, smooth. So I'm really impressed. Well, that, that's an interesting call just on the slice defense. Because, uh, yeah, yeah he, he did play a lot of slice defense. My takeaway was like, wow, his slice defense is so good. Yeah. Like that that was kind of that was kind yeah. of where where I went with it. Like there was the point that a team had to hit the tweener uh, and that was one where Nadal ranged all the way to his right yeah. and made a good stab and yeah. then there was the set point in the first set. Great stretch return, had to get over to the other sideline in order to defend one ball and then team missed the easy forehand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, this is like a separate issue, but um, it's always interesting to me to watch what Nadal is going to do with his return position on different surfaces. I mean, we know what he's going to do on clay. He's going to stand way back. I, I noticed him playing around on his second serve return position, coming in, trying to take the ball a little bit more on the rise, um, not doing his typical Nadal, you know, full stroke um, from way back. So, um, you know, keeping in mind that this is not his best surface, um, I thought it was just phenomenal. Yeah, court, courts look pretty quick. Go ahead, Joel. They do look pretty quick. And of course, in that, the court speed will be a, a bigger topic when we're at the Australian Open, when we're all that talk is going on about court speed. And that'll be a, that story will last till probably about the end of the first Wednesday about speed and maybe a little longer that's fine and i think uh you know nadal god yeah it's funny i was thinking of his the nadal surfaces yeah i guess it's the one where he's had yeah he's won only two aussies but he's he's pretty darn good i i, I just it'll be interesting to see as this tournament unfolds how he builds points how he grapples with other problems i think i think team Part of my con not concern is like, okay, that's a familiar opponent from the one-handed, more flatter era. So let's see who he starts playing some of the younger guys. You know, I think, I think, I think uh, Nadal Sinner, somewhere, someplace, sometime, battle in the course of 2024. I'm curious that I want to see. Yeah, right. That that becomes. I mean, that kind of thing is still a complete question mark. It's like, can Nadal get? get to that level when there's somebody elite across the net or playing at an elite level across the net. And also yeah. like, how's he going to respond when things don't go perfect and don't go right? Like, is there going to be, because on the forehand, the fact like he was so free to hit it, Amy, as you said at the start right away and to flatten it out. There was never, there was one game in the second set. It was the three, one game where I, I started to see a little bit of spinny going on a little bit of safe, but other than that, like that was the only one moment in the match where it seemed like I could detect a, a little bit of nerves. Um, 
So so that'll that might change at some point, but also this is the power of having of coming in and having no expectation for yourself, which is something that you cannot simulate. Like there's no way to possibly as much as players want to have no pressure, you can't artificially get there. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Well, and the interactive aspect, you know, it's it's funny in the in the serve volley era, it was always comforting to serve to a one-handed backhand because only the so in a way, Nadal knows I can hit my foreign cross court to one-handed backhand with less fear of damage of subsequent damage. I mean, yeah, Dominic team has had a as a great one-hander, but a great one-hander is still not this. That's a great one-hander, but it's not a, not it's not a great backhand return. Well, it's not a great backhand return for one, and the one-handers rarely are compared to the two-handers. And then in the rally, you know, the one-hander, yeah, if the one-hander hits a nine, that might hurt you. You know, the standard rinkers, but I'm talking about the garden variety two-handers can do a lot more. I, I feel far more comfortable fielding a one, a seven or eight from a one-hander than I would from a two-hander. In in yeah. golf in golf terms. Well, no, I, I mean, I mean, no, on a scale of zero to ten. Oh, I see. Yeah. I understand. Okay. <laughs> like a, I thought like we were talking about irons. Level, like for example, no, not irons. I just mean, yeah. I just mean the drive. So, for example, I want to see Nadal play Zverev next. Yeah. So it's like, I think what's fun is just okay. Rafa's back, and we're gonna just see how this is gonna keep playing out, and let's and let's hope he stays healthy. You know that he's not hurt. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jason Kubler next. Uh, Hugo Umbert is potentially the first top 50 test. Lefty, obviously. Um, so you don't have to, he doesn't need to worry about hitting one handed backhands on the four, off the forehand cross court. Um, we'll see what happens. One more thing on Rafa, a, a media thing. Did you guys see the headlines? Amy, did you see the headlines like that said Rafa? Uh, 2024 might actually not be his last year after he gave the press conference <laughs> in after the doubles. He's been saying this the whole time. Gil, where's my credit? Where's my credit? <laughs> <laughs> but but he hasn't changed his like everybody. Uh, there were there was a lot of the headlines and the coverage was as if he made a change in his tune. He said 2024 would probably be my last year. He, he said probably. Right. As, so, as I said in the last podcast. It might not be. He said probably. <laughs> and I do like to parse words, you know, because especially with the, the guys who have been around a while and have had every good question, dumb question, everything in between, they're old hands at this. I mean, they know what they're saying. So for for Rafa to to say something like he did about this coming year that wasn't by accident he he had chosen his words very carefully so i listened very carefully and um yeah i mean if he's having fun and he's healthy then sky's the limit exit management you know we talked about this before and and whether it's the 
the, the men with their injuries and their aging and their, their expectations and their bodies and the same with the woman. And then with the woman, there's also the, um, the family aspect. And there's no, this is, this is, this is where tennis is drastically pulling away from any of the, the team sport dynamics we see where the, where the team cuts you, you're on waivers, nobody wants you, you can't find a team, whatever, you know, maybe, maybe in the future. And then you're Joe Flacco. I, I had to exactly. put that in there. <laughs> That's right. And then you're Joe Flacco. Good. And there's, um, maybe in the future, there'll be no retirements in tennis. There'll just be cessations. You know what I mean? They'll just be, yeah, and I'll apply for my 104-week protected ranking. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. There have been a couple of people that never really announced. They just, at oh, some point. Many. Yeah. A great yeah. many. I mean. Uh, Stop signing up for tournaments or Jimmy whatever. Connors didn't announce. I mean, Pete Sampras played one and then didn't announce it till nine, several months later. So, Yeah. I mean, they announced like the orchestrated exit thing. We'll see. All right, let's get to Djokovic. Uh, started off his season with a couple of wins, uh, one over Zhang Zhizhen, one over Yiji Lehechka, uh, both very similar players in the sense they're, you know, extremely powerful uh, baseliners. They're, they're young guys. Um, I, I like both of their games. Good stylistic matchups for Novak. Uh, Demon Orr comes in in the next United Cup uh, test in the quarterfinals, and Demon Orr wins it 6-4, 6-4. It was an amazing performance from Alex. Uh, he almost went the whole match without losing a first serve point. Didn't lose a first serve point until his final service game, trying to serve it out at 6-4, 5-4 which is remarkable. You also have Novak's right wrist, which is a, a storyline. And um, I'll talk about, I'll talk about how I think it affected the match. Um, but first, Amy, what are your uh, takeaways from this result? If the wrist hadn't been um, an issue, I literally would not think a thing of this result. I wouldn't be worried um, because Alex is one of the best players on tour and his speed and his footwork is phenomenal. And he's playing at home um, where he's comfortable. And, he, you know, I, I probably should have picked him for my top 10 this coming year, my predictions. Um, he's that good. And, and when he's on and, and feeling super comfortable um, and serving like he was, um, he's right up there with the best in the business, but I am concerned about the wrist and, um, it's just like one of the worst parts of the body to be feeling any kind of pain or discomfort when you play tennis. Um, because especially with the men, so much of what they do depends on the wrist and, and the feel and the spins and, and all that. Yeah, that's a, I think that's more concern to Novak than having lost the match. He'd rather have lost it healthy than won it with an injury. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, that kind of wrist, fine motor skills, nagging. I think the outcome of it is, I bet he is pretty much been dispatched. I mean, Alex is a rock solid player. This isn't a, a, a mega upset, like where this guy come from. It's like, yeah, this is some good, played a lot of good rallies and, uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, I like Demonor a lot. He's one of my favorite players because of all he brings to the court, a lot like Leighton Hewitt. And uh, 
but uh, yeah, the risk, that's, that's the concern. So I'm sure the team is having some talk. Yeah, I mean, massive admiration for for Alex, and he, he's one of the rare guys who says, you know, nobody believes in me. I'm going to show the doubters wrong, and he's actually right. A, a lot of athletes say that, and it's like, no, everybody believed in you. You're just making that up in your head, but for Alex, it's true. Uh, I'm, I mean, and that's what happens when you're small. Uh, nobody everybody's going to kind of put a cap on you and i'm i'm guilty of it too if demon or makes the top 10 he will have proven me wrong is it amy are you the tallest of the three of us um am i i i i've seen you guys in person but like i don't see height when i see people i'm like i just, five. Mean, I just mean i'm just playing because i know i know for myself i get into the i'm five seven and i get oh, yeah. into, i ponder the whole the height thing and alex you know playing his like someone's talking to me something about recently and they're talking about different story things we tell ourselves and i told him about something with myself he goes well that's kind of a false narrative and i go is there any other i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> how we so alex his comments made the thing nobody believes in me well that's not i believe in you alex i've always believed in you you know it's like this whole way these players all of us in life find these motivational words and concepts and i think i think he's a terrific player but yeah he he's he hasn't quite vaulted into the the higher top eight, top five level. Uh, I How just think, tall is Demon? How tall you know, is he's he? not that. I think he's 5'10 or 5'11. It's just he he's yeah. he's light. He's lightweight. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. anyway, he, he hit. Yeah, because the girlfriend is Katie Bolter, and I've seen she's pictures taller. of him side by side. She's roughly my height. Yeah. And uh, oh, she's taller than him? I think so. No, I, they look about the same height to me. Okay. He also doesn't generate. He's not a big. He's not as big a hitter because he's more of a. He's more of an absorber, redirect guy than he is a pace generator. I mean, he hit the ball plenty hard, but not as hard as some other guys. And he doesn't. He's not slashing. And and he's also kind of been creeping up there these last few years. You know, so he hasn't had like significant slam breakthrough. He had some good matches. So, but I think he's. I think he's. Uh, fantastic but i don't know if he's a is he a ferrer waiting to happen or is he a go fan ex existing you know what i mean anyway whatever it's gonna be he hit his serve and forehand yesterday better than i've ever seen him but that wasn't i don't think that was the biggest problem in the match necessarily for novak i, I think alex is so fast that's what he's always had and nobody has ever taken has ever doubted his speed right it's hard to get the ball by him you need your weapons to get the ball by him. Novak's forehand wasn't up to the task yesterday, and obviously the wrist is going to have something to do with that. Uh, there were there were tons of forehand errors. Demonor was vicious and smart, detected the the forehand issue for Novak, started slow balling it, started hitting his little slow bunt backhands down the line, chip backhands to Djokovic's forehand. He's like. Oh, your wrist, your wrist is hurting. Let me give you really slow balls to deep to your forehand and just make you have to try to generate. And it wasn't really going all that well. Like you look at the breaks of serve and really all throughout the match, uh, the forehand just couldn't couldn't perform at the level that it needed to uh, for Djokovic. So that was a big part of it. And then I think the second set, uh, Novak was really, it seemed like he really wasn't enjoying himself on court because of the wrist pain. And I thought he lost a little bit of intensity in his feet, um, got a little bit discouraged, I think, by by the injury. Um, 
which, you know, you wonder like if, the, if this were the Australian Open, would he, would his effort level have been just a little bit or his toughness level been a little bit higher? Probably. But uh, that was kind of, that was kind of my read on the match. In terms of the injury guys, Novak's team has been saying that this is kind of a pretty regular injury for him, meaning it happens from time to time. And for me, it doesn't seem as acute as the abdominal thing that was going on in 2021 or the hamstring thing that was going on last year. I feel like it it might be a little bit more of like a soreness, stiffness kind of thing, not as much of a not as much of an acute injury. So I'm not overly concerned about Australia right now. I hope that's the case for the good of watching some great tennis being played, but it's interesting our culture now we have, we're so much more diagnostic attuned. You know, the, you know, Rod Laver had a wrist injury once at Wimbledon. He didn't want anyone to know about it. His wife and he, they crammed themselves into a phone book so he could tape it, you know, and I don't know how extensive the injury was, but now, you know, we know about these injuries. These events in Australia are particularly camera intensive. Do you see the, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the cameras all over the place? That's part mm-hmm. of the production thing. And so we're there with Novak. We're up close and personal. We're the injury. It's the wrist. We got the wristband. We got the technique. What's going on? And of course, he's got the pit crew. You know, it's like there's so much more awareness of what's going on with these people. And of course, when Novak next plays, he's going to be asked about it. And he's going to give his answer. And the forehand, the, the proof will be in the forehand. The quotes, the statements at all, that's that's the, that's the look. That's the thing to look for, right? That's the tell. That's the shot. 100%. Yeah. Um, look, it's not like, it, it's not like, it wasn't as bad as the Felix match at Labor Cup. Remember that last year where he completely right. wasn't hitting the forehand. It was a little better than that. But there are levels to it. And Novak just wasn't comfortable uh, creating offense off the off the forehand against Demon. Have you guys watched? Um, I mean, I'm sure you have, but I've actually taken. I, I was watching some forehands in slow motion the other day. Some ATP forehands. The flexion of the wrist, like the 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 amount it lags. Yeah. The, the racket head. If you pause it at like the the point of the most wrist flexion, the racket head is literally like at the elbow, like aligned with the right elbow. The amount the right wrist flexes back in a ATP forehand is insane. Yeah. I, I think it's a Roger thing. I Roger right. really ushered that in. Um, I thought you were going to say there's a spectrum of, of lag among the top that, players. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah Go no, ahead, Joel. And then people who imitate that, though, it's funny, scaling it down to civilians. It's like, don't try this at home. Yeah, I got that. I got my Lexalon. I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a big business development for an orthopedist. I mean, <laughs> working in the forum. They're, of course, they're doing it because they have so much of their other lower and upper body organized to then make those kind of those last minute torquing and decisions. Yeah, it is, it is quite, quite a thing to see. Yeah, and and to be clear. It's like it's a fraction of a second. So uh, a regular a regular civilian in the park can't even imitate that if they attempted to imitate it because wrists don't do that on command. You know, it's a it's a thing of, you know, I'm it's a again, a split second moment where there's a, a complete flexion of the of the wrist tendon within a singular motion. Um, 
but yeah, I guess like, uh, you know, my forehand, I'd probably, my racket head might get halfway up my forearm, but a pro gets all the way to the elbow in terms of how far back their, their lag goes. Um, so yeah, it is. I mean, look, we, we don't have to say it with Dominic team, right. And, and Del Potro even, um, yeah, it's it's a very 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 essential thing for tennis players. Also, the the balls, right? The Australian Open Dunlop tennis balls. We saw Corda hurt his wrist last year. We saw um, Brooksby hurt his wrist last year, and we heard a lot of players complain about it. I I saw um, Pospisil say that he is now no longer organizing based on, you know, where he wants to go, what's best for him, his, his calendar, his schedule. He's organizing based on the balls that are going to be used. And if he perceives that those are favorable balls or not. A ball driven schedule. So he's, uh, you know, I think we're probably going to hear even more about that this year. Don't you think? I mean, there's, there's a lot in play already about schedule. I think uh, 24 is sort of, the slight beginning of some new ways and how the sport might be configured. Maybe, you know, like whether there's, it's going to take, it might take a while and it might not happen at all, but I think it's in one of those little mini, mini change years, kind of like when the ATP tour itself started in 1990 and other things. So the ball is going to figure into that and may the, may the best manufacturer win. (laughs) I, I guess so. Um, Last year, it was kind of the first year where players, all started to use their voices and yeah, there's going to be preferences. I like this ball. I like that ball. But at the end of the day, the, the wishes of the players are, can we please not change so often? And I believe to tennis Australia's credit, they do keep it consistent and it's the same ball for all of the tennis Australia tournaments. I don't know about Auckland. Um, but I just remembering last year, a lot of the players were like, this ball gets really heavy and really fluffy and it, it is stressful on the joints and it's just, you know, with Novak dealing with what he's dealing with, it makes me think back to that, but there's a lot of time, right? Uh, he has about 12, 13 days before the start of the Australian open to get this wrist, right? It's, it seems like, uh, that's a much better position than he was in the last uh, last couple of years that we talked about with Australian Open injuries. So my guess is it won't be a factor. I hope so. Yeah, I, hope I so. think he. I think he can manage it. Um, yeah, he, he's the best at it. Well, they're having some. I'm sure they're having some chats. You know, Novak. Novak hinted. He didn't hint. He kind of shared, but he didn't share the exact language. The ways he sometimes um, chats with his team about addressing things i mean these players are they're ceos now they're not they're not artisans with an occasional consultant they have a whole crew the physio the trainer the specialist the right the wrist guy yeah. they got, i got a wrist guy i got a i got a i got a hip guy yeah he's he'll definitely have a wrist guy and uh the wrist guy is going to be taking some calls for the next week and a half up until the australian open for nadal Workout. nadal Workout. yeah what did i say Guy. 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 Well, I use guy for both genders. Sure, I do too. (laughs) Um, Nadal continues in Brisbane. uh, Kubler next. And uh, we will take it from there. Looking forward to 
the next couple weeks leading up to the Australian Open. We'll talk to you soon. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.